Welcome to the Fit Affiliate Podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Kirkman, and sitting alongside me is Tony Ronke, the founder of Fit Affiliate and all-round CrossFit OG. The mission of Fit Affiliate is very simple, to protect the affiliate model. Our sole purpose is to help affiliate owners and coaches attain freedom. We aren't here to tell you what to do, but to instead build your ability to believe in yourself. Enjoy the show. And welcome back to the next episode of the Fit Fillet podcast. Back from his uh, recent sojourn to the snow is and the recent uh, Canadian CrossFit Summit. Mr. Tony, how are you, sir? Sojourn. Such a great word that I just don't think ever gets used in the United States. Well, a that, sojourn. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I thought I'd add some class to the podcast today. Mm. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, Just that's why you're here is for that accent because, you know, it's <laughs> great. Um, I, I spent the whole week with that accent because everybody in, in BC, specifically everybody at Whistler, all mm. is from, they're all either from Australia, New Zealand, and there's a handful from the UK. And it's, I was like, what the heck? There's everybody here has the same accent. I'm like, I've spent the whole week with Lisa. <laughs> and as I said to you, the problem with that is what? But it's hot as over here, so everyone like wants a white Christmas, so that's where they're going. It's, but uh, well, it's all of us, so you would never assume that anybody in Australia like would ever do anything in the snow, because like I don't think many people realize how many mountains are there, and especially in like New Zealand, but like Australia even has mountains too. And it's like for all the rest of the world, I think we just assume Australia is just one giant desert island. It is <laughs> <It's> just <laughs> always hot. We're like, yeah, it it's, has it's, a winter. What do you mean it's uh, got a winter? It is largely the desert island, but we have a couple of spots that get, you know, cold and snowy, and it's it's fabulous. Yeah, like, you have, like, the oldest rainforest on the planet, actually. We do. It's a little bit underwater at the moment, but... Let me just tell you a, a fact, and everybody's on this conversation. Welcome to the podcast. Um, <laughs> and how many Australians that I had to inform that your beloved platypus is absolutely toxic, and they were like, no. Really? But I it's, said, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's not killed anybody. Well, because there's not many of them. <laughs> like you, it's like you're just swimming with a platypi. Like you're just. Well, just, yeah, but even even their venom's not gonna. It'll give you a sting, but it's not gonna kill you. Well, it it's turns out to, most things that'll kill you are probably more afraid of you than you are of it. But at the same time, that little creature is that should be the national animal of Australia because it's quite literally the the cutest creation on the planet. And is just hazardous. If nothing yeah. says Australia better than that animal, I don't know what it is. This conversation is going to age very well. I'll just put yeah. a pin in that, but it's going to age very well. I'll just leave that for later. But I'm so old that there used to, I, you probably, you might know these things, but like back when I was a kid, there was no, there was no Google. Um, mm. you, they used to send out like the National Geographic cards. Like, you, yeah, basically, like you get like, you, we, Encyclopedia Britannica was like the closest thing to Google that you possibly had. And then they came to your door every year and they sold you the whole volume. And mm. um, um, we never had one. So as a kid, I stole it. Uh, fun fact. Um, <laughs> those things were expensive. But yep. I remember they would send you those those animal cards in like that plastic bin, yep. that plastic box. And my favorite animal was always the platypus. Because I was like, how cool is this little beaver with a duck bill with feet and like... <laughs> And then it wasn't until much later I found out that, oh, I had it all wrong. Yeah, but they are cute. They're, they're lo- and did you know that a baby platypus is called a puggle? 
you know, Welcome. I didn't actually know that, and that makes me feel like I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a platypus pie believer. <laughs> Welcome to the, the David Attenborough special. More than more than one platypus is a platypie. I, it could be. I, I where, don't know. Where do they live in Australia? In little little rivers and little creeks, all across See, the country. You encounter one. Next thing you know, this little beaver duck just killed you. <laughs> I don't think that that's a possibility, but um, duck platypus. I'm curious. I don't know if I know the answer, but is there is there a different platypus that's not duck billed? No, that's the uh, that's it. That's one the model. Only. That's it. Mm. Yep, there was you know clearly some <clears throat> different creatures on the ark got up to some shenanigans. If that's your thing, and this is we just got this one. I don't. I don't think that the ark was um, was nature's. Um, Breeding ground. I don't think that's how that worked. But oh, I can't. Do it. Oh, spoiler alert. That's a different arc that you're familiar with. I don't. <laughs> I don't know what you've been watching. I don't want to. <laughs> All right, let's just let's get on to today's topic. I think we've. It's the end of the year. Everyone's a little cray cray, apparently, including us. But this everybody's is on vacation. why. Hey. I feel like everybody's everybody's on, on well, vacation. Yeah, and. I guess your uh, little trip away is, you know, the inspiration for today's episode in that we, I know that you do at the end of year, you put a huge a emphasis reflection. on reflection and thinking the about, mirror. yeah, that no, one. Not really the mirror. I don't go away and look in the mirror, but. Well, but thinking about what is, you know, the year that's been, but then also using that as a, as a lever to pull to set yourself up for success looking ahead to the year that comes rather than just, you know, sitting still, I guess, and stuck in that space. So I thought yeah. today was an interesting perspective because I know we're taking our clients through it. All the Fit for Lit coaches have, have been through it, are going through it, and we do every year. Uh, um, well, yeah. I mean, everybody go. everybody's – here's the thing. Before you get into that whole constructive part that we're engaged in, I think everybody at the end of the year becomes laser-focused and the fact that, like – they have been alive for the last year and ultimately we're coming up on on what we call uh resolution season i suppose and so mm -hmm. i think collectively the audience you know knows that like you know we're we're in goal setting season perhaps mm. uh, and to that end to your point about my sojourn to the to the mountains this year uh, i i've always kind of gone away um and and done the same thing in an attempt to basically look back on the last year. Um, and it's obviously this is a fresh conversation because many of the clients are, are talking about this at the moment and particularly how um, problematic it is. And so every year we, we, we push you guys to not only reset and establish the year that's coming um, based on the year that's been, but, Really, I think the most important thing that is often overlooked is reflecting back on the year that has been. And so every year we we suggest to, to you guys as clients, particularly from my own personal experience, which is pretty rare because like most of the company is not built on like things that I've done or things that I find to be successful so much as the things that we could possibly do that could improve your position, we being you as clients. And so... Um, what is always interesting to me is that as this time of the year comes, I guess, is a segue into this conversation, as this time of the year comes and we start working through the exercises and helping people start to 
think constructively about the year that's been, it's always fascinating to me. And I think this is where I got lucky with seminars. Um, it's always fascinating to me how resistant everybody is at first. They're just like, hmm, I don't have time for that. Or like, whatever. It's been, it's been a, you know, it's, it's been a good year. It's been a weird year. It's been a bad year. Like insert whatever um, expletive in there uh, that you can possibly think of. But um, it's always funny in that context because once they start, then they're like, they start working through it and they start to get a little bit more positive, a little bit more negative, a little bit more constructive, a little bit more all the above. And then from there, they're like, oh, wow, like this whole last year was way different than I thought it was going to be. And mm. so I guess as a personal anecdote, I got lucky with the um, the idea of reflection um, in that naturally everybody thinks that's goals. And I thought I was bad at it. Truly, I was like, mm. I, in fact, I think for a long time I waged a war against goals. I don't know as though I have any of it written someplace, but I thought they were stupid. Um, I just thought that like goals just don't work right? because mm. like, honestly, most of the time they don't work. And there's an entire mechanism behind why they may in fact not work, but there's also a mechanism behind how you can make them work. And so for years, I would try to set the normal goals of a business owner. And I'm going to have a better year this year than I did last year. Can add 10% or blah, 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 whatever that looks like. But what I was doing was essentially what kept happening, what keeps happening to the current clients, our affiliate owners. And I, I would try to like carve out some time and sit at my desk and in the gym or wherever and, 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 and reflect and, and project into the future. And I think I would do a good job of it considering the situation, but it just, it was like, whatever. And then what I'd end up with was, yeah, a couple of pages of scribbles of things that probably were never going to get looked at again for the rest of the year. Right. And then um, what became the framework of, of the program that effectively is now happened, started in like the first iteration started in like 2015. And that's when I, I was on seminars, so I was traveling. And so that's kind of when I started to get like control of the schedule more so than anything where like I could book them more uh, or not so much as I could, but like I started booking them in places I wanted to go versus like places that were just like a good place for a seminar. And I, at the end of every year, I would always book into seminars and stay in between them. And, um, and the reason I bring up this whole story is so we all know travel changes people. Uh, I think we've all heard that cliche. And and I think that a lot of people think that it's mainly because like you get to experience new things and you get to, um, you know, see new stuff. But it really, the way that travel changes you is that it forces you to consider new things in relation to past patterns, right? So like you go to a country that doesn't speak your language and you're going to spend time there. Like you can't engage in your subconscious routines, rituals, or habits. Mm. And so I thought maybe it would be a good thing. I noticed that when I was in those environments that I was much more um, creative, but I was also much more introspective and much more self-aware. Mm. And, and then there, like, I was like, I'm, it would probably be a good idea if like I start like using this time away in these places to get more creative and more reflective and little by little, the the pattern, the program started to become more about reflecting and looking back 
than it mm-hmm. was at the end of the year looking forward because everybody everybody at the end of the year is already setting their new resolutions looking forward but i tried that it didn't work right so i didn't want to continue to do the same thing and expect a different outcomes so for me i was like maybe it maybe it seems a little bit more valuable when i start looking back but it wasn't possible until i got outside of my environment because you've heard us say it on here you kind of have to change your environment to change the outcome and like that's mm-hmm. kind of how the whole thing started and really kind of how the program started to get into its first several iterations in that getting out of your environment to intentionally influence or change your outcome is such a massively overlooked tool that's available mm-hmm. to every single person, even if it's just a vacation, even if you're not going to go and engage in some degree of, of structured reflection or otherwise. Like, I don't know anybody who doesn't go away and realize that like, wow, this day, and I just had this conversation, like this day, you know, in in Paris on this cobblestone street, going to this cafe and doing this thing feels a lot better than at home when I just get up on autopilot and go to work, go do this, do this, and then I blink and Mm. it's Saturday, right? And so what do you do when you're on vacation? Like, oh, I'm going home and I'm going to, I'm going to bring this thing with me. Like (laughs) personal, every time I go away, I come back a pescatarian. Every single time. It doesn't matter where I go, but particularly usually ends up happening when I go to like the islands like Hawaii because you just mm. always eat fish when you're there. But, like I come back and like that's a perfect example, right? I'm like, I had so much fun. I felt so good eating fish. Like just for the record, for everybody listening, I would definitely be a pescatarian if it was more convenient. Like, um, but yeah. I'm not an omnivore. Um, but I would come back and I would start eating fish and I'd eat it for like a month until eventually like habits routines and rituals Mm. take over and you start slipping back into whatever's convenient to eat and like that's just that's the point that we've all experienced right i guess is that nobody has ever gone away and been like hey i like this routine like you probably got up at your leisure no alarm clock you know Mm. hung out a little bit in the hotel room then you walk down to like probably walk down to the gym did a little bit of exercise grab coffee maybe some breakfast at the hotel you know came back and then you probably read and you were constructive. And then after that, you probably went about your day, whatever you had planned for the day to hike or, or Hmm. swimming or surfing or sitting. It doesn't really matter. Whatever's your thing. And then you make it to dinner and, and then you repeat. And then you come at the end of vacation and this is me rambling. I feel like at this point, but too bad. We're all on this journey with me. You come to the end (laughs) of your vacation and you're like, man, what a week that was. Right. And back to the real world. But there's actually, especially if you're a business owner, there is systematically and mechanically no reason that you couldn't replicate and shouldn't replicate that exact same thing. Now, naturally, there obviously no work had taken place there, but I would bet if you're a business owner, you probably brought a book with you or you thought about your business or you probably even just when you had some downtime, you were able to think creatively and constructively about your business, right? You're able to start thinking like outside of like, the fires that are in the email and the problems and all the phone calls that you know are happening at the gym, but you, you finally left the phone there and you didn't bring it with you. You were able to start thinking about it. And you're like, man, if I could do anything at the gym, I would do it this way or this way. Like, so my point is you were still working, but you were actually probably for the first time working on the things that you should be working on versus working on the things that are asking for your attention, which is what you do when you're at home. Right. And so I don't know any business owner is, yeah, right. I don't know any business owner who's ever gone away from their business, ever spent time away from it and hasn't thought about it. That would mm. be impossible, right? So, I, mean, yeah. I mean, you could probably try to lobotomize yourself to some degree, but you, it's not you like can, you're going to work. 
you can have all good intentions, but you are still, because it's your thing, it's your creation, it's your baby, it's going to, you know, be in your brain. Right. And I think that, you know, even for, to people who are listening to this or watching this who are sitting there going, oh, that'd be nice to be able to duck off to Paris for a week. Um, you can actually microdose yourself this, which is, you know, what I've kind of done is find Micro- an hour or two hours where you With can. With mushroom. <laughs> oh, different microdose. Different microdose. That's a different episode for a different time. <laughs> um, you know, taking myself off-site to work and write. So I mm. go to a cafe or like I do my best writing when I'm sitting in the, just in a cafe having a coffee. And even if I create that time at, intentionally, and I know that we've done this exercise with clients, it's like go and work somewhere else for the for an hour or two each week. And it's just they're like, wow, it was amazing. I was much more creative. So it's not you don't necessarily, if you don't have the capacity, take yourself to some foreign location for a week. If you do, that's fantastic. But you can also do this in, you know, smaller ways to start to build that habit and get that creative brain and understand what that feels like and know that you could then tap into that consciously when you need to. Yeah. I, I think in a lot of ways, it's actually probably more effective when you do microdose it without the mushrooms, when you do mm-hmm. microdose it and you do just take a, you know, call it a staycation or you just, mm-hmm. you just take a little bit of a, of a change of environment because uh, listen, the whole reason that I'm able to do this every single year is because I have tons of points and miles that come from, you know, working on the road mm-hmm. all year. So Let's be honest, like I do have, I had an advantage, right? And and that advantage usually resulted in me wanting to dump points and miles at the end of every year before they got devalued. And like, that's how I learned it. But, you know, I know that most people don't, although you should definitely have a points credit card and shift your spending to that. It'd just be a responsible human and pay your credit card off every month. But that's a completely different episode, I suppose, too. That and microdosing, we're just listing them all out in advance here. Uh, because really, honestly, you guys spend so much money a year mandatorily. Like, why wouldn't you just put it on a card that you end up getting points and miles so that you have no choice but to use those points and miles? Because, like, here's the thing. You're never going to take vacations because like, they're expensive. Right? They cost a bunch of money. But when you have a whole bunch of points and miles and they're only really good for vacation, like, mm-hmm. you will be much more likely to use them. And the easiest way to do that is to take all the bills that you're already spending through your probably your debit card or your business card and just put them on your you know, whatever insert, whatever traveler points card here and then do that. But that's a whole different um, pro tip right there for you guys is to shift there because it's just free money, honestly. And it's it's an easy way. If you if you heard the episode about us talking about how to pay yourself, like the easy way to pay yourself is to not give yourself a choice. And so if you're already going to be buying the toilet paper, the cleaning supplies, the you know, what all these things, just put them on a card that gives you a reward that you wouldn't likely buy yourself. Mm. And like, don't, you know, don't, don't get a travel credit card. If you're willingly going to always be booking your own flights and going like, it's probably not that valuable for you. Um, but like, you know, get one. If you're, if you're not good at like taking yourself out to dinner and stuff like that, get a card that does that. But anyways, my point is, is that it's probably better for you to just live in the micro dose environment because that's so immediately available to you. Right. Mm. It's very easy to get in your car and, and drive up to the mountains for for the day if they're close to you or to the beach if it's close to you or to the lake or to the trail network or just to the coffee shop right Mm. changing your consciously changing your habit forces your subconscious to get disarmed and so 
you have to understand how the brain and the mind really works. And like we've talked about this before, but the subconscious and the conscious do not work well together. In fact, by design, they don't work together at all. Truly mm. subconscious does in fact affect the conscious mind, but the conscious mind is completely unaware that there's this other supercomputer in the driver's <laughs> seat. It just thinks that like, this is a self-driving car. Like this is awesome. Yeah. We just get the places. And then I think about them when we get there. And the reason why that is funny, but why it matters is that the supercomputer that is the brain is your subconscious. That's the one that's driving every single day. And so when it comes time to do reflection, goal setting, anything constructive inside your current environment, it's almost impossible for you to do it effectively because the subconscious does not want, this is my artwork. I just twisted this up. Um, <laughs> your subconscious does not want your conscious mind poking holes in it, right? It mm -hmm. doesn't want your sub your conscious mind to think and be like, why do we do that thing? And this is why getting into like you know a trip or something like that that we've all done is so important because it's not until you go away and you completely disarm the subconscious and the conscious mind has to take over for the whole week. And this is why mm -hmm. when you're on vacation, you have way more fun because you can consciously choose to do whatever you feel like doing and want to do and you disarm all the habits, routines, and rituals. It's also why sometimes, despite the middle of an amazing vacation, you have this perilous feeling of boredom. Like you're just mm -hmm. like, and boredom feels like a different wave of boredom than you ever felt bored in your life when you're like gone away. And you're like, what are we going to do the rest of the day? Like it's just, <laughs> like it's, it's 9.30 in the morning. You've been up because of jet lag since 4.30. You've already worked out. You've already been in the gym and you've already walked down to the beach. And it's fucking 930. You're like, what the hell am I going to do? And then that feeling that that just panic ridden boredom that you have of like, oh, I have the rest of the day to like mm. do whatever. That's your subconscious panicking because it yep. can't do any of the things that it normally would do on autopilot. Because what happens when you're at home? I wake up probably the same time. I blink and it's 5 p.m. Yep. And then you look back and you're like, what did you do this week? I actually have no idea, right? Like, mm. and so, you know, we're largely talking about the value of travel at this point, but it's really about changing the environment because when you tell somebody to sit down and project and reflect and do all these things in their own current environment, it's really, really hard to do because the subconscious is in the driver's seat. You're going to, you're going to likely go to the same coffee shop or make the same, even the same drive to the same similar coffee shop. Like mm. if, when, you, when it comes time to think about your future and think about your past, try to find a way to change everything about the day it nothing else at a microdose level so like don't go to your favorite coffee shop go to a new one go mm. go to one in a completely different town nearby go to mm. uh, go outdoors where like it's never the same moment you know find a place where you can intentionally disarm your habit machine your subconscious mm. so that your conscious mind can take over because in that moment of perilous boredom at 9 30 in the morning on vacation what happens? You're forced to think about what you're going to do the rest of the day. And then mm. you get to choose what you want to do the rest of the day. And you get to pick what you're going to do the rest of the day. And what happens? You had a great day, right? Come the end of the yep. day, you're like, man, that panic that happened 9 30 in the morning, that proved to be nothing because I was busy <laughs> all day. That was amazing. We served for four hours. We did this. Like, mm. and you never, you never just sit there unless you I, you settle into the panic of your subconscious and you just sit by that pool and you just stare at the pool like, this is terrible. I just want to go home. And that is a truth. That is a reality that happens to a lot of people. Maybe some mm -hmm. of you guys that are listening. You're like, I've tried vacation. It sucks. 
as soon as I get on the plane, as soon as I get someplace, all I want to do is be home. Mm. Hello, subconscious. Like yeah. that's all it is. And just and letting it go. And I think, you know, the important um part of this process that we're we're going through, or you you you've been through, is not just, you know, we talk about this being resolutions season and everyone's talking about, well, I'm going to make 2024 better than 2023 and I'm going to, you know, do all these things differently. But also taking the time to stop and think critically about where you've been and honestly and not just, you know, the shit that went wrong or wasn't ideal or where you screwed up, but also taking the step to go, what did I do really well? And again, we kind of do this in a microdose week by week with clients when they're checking with their coaches where we have this little reflection piece. But when we look at it for the year, and I think this is what helps it have a little bit more power than the traditional resolution season of I'm going to do this, 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 and this, is like taking the time to acknowledge your wins and the positives and also while at the same time looking at things that weren't as great for you. Mm -hmm. And then that can really give you some solid data to rather than just going, oh, well, everything in 2023 was, you know, crap, I'm going to burn it to the ground and 2024 will be better. Well, that's a lot. What specifically needs to be better? But what do you also want to bring forward? Because there were some things that you did that were great. But if we don't stop and reflect on that and give, and like you said, switch off our subconscious and give ourselves permission to dig into that and look honestly at that, then we can kind of just run blindly into the fire as do 99% of the population with our New Year's resolutions. And then after January 2nd, it's like don't think about it again until January, you know, December next year. It's like, oh, the thing I was going to do in 2020 and I was going to get back to in 2021 and I really prioritised it in 2022 and I was going to do it in 23. I'm just going to put that in for 2024 now. That's the loop you get into. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's like it's easy to think about where you want to get to, but it's hard to consider why you're at where you're at, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And and I think for whatever reason, I you know I stumbled into it years ago, but you know there was definitely something missing in terms of my projection in that like. You know, why was I setting the goals that I was setting or why was I setting this future version of the future that I was setting? And and this might sound a bit um, whimsical or esoteric even in that um, reality is not real. <laughs> um, I'm, I just lost Run it. Run away and get those mushrooms, everyone. Buckle yeah, up. <laughs> uh, you know, reality is is nothing more than perception. No two people process the exact same moment the same, right? We'll call it Sonder, mm. right? And the reason for that is that perception is based on your brain, right? It's, it's based on, on your, your computers working together. But really what it means is that the moment you're facing, the environment, the stimulus, et cetera, that you're facing is infinitely passed through past experiences, exposures, traumas, lessons, insert X, Y, Z. And then because of that, that's how you accept whatever it is as truth, right? And so I say this because we think as, as people, we, we tend to think that like what we think is, is fact, right? Or, or, or you know, or, or truth rather. Um, but it's not, right? Like, you no, know, green is not the same green to any two people. I mean, mm. it's, it's whatever. 
math is probably one of those truths because one plus one is two, despite what some people on the internet now are trying to say. But, you know, but the point is, is that the only reason we know one plus one is two, though, is because at some point in the past, we learned that that is, in fact, how that works. Right. And yeah. and and that is important because whatever has happened to you, whatever you've experienced, encountered or, you know, lived through positive or negative will affect how you perceive any single moment. It's also, it will also affect how you project any future moment, right? And, and what ends up happening more than often than not with our clients is that when they come in, they have a real hard time creating, projecting, or imagining a positive future because, well, they probably haven't had much of a, of a positive past. And well, it's a trauma of everything that they've currently been on been through right. and that it just comes with them and that's their filter yeah and so when you're telling you'd ask them you know to come up with an ideal income they're like well i mean i would like anything right i'm like that's not a goal <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not ecological it's not going to pursue something that is going to be an improvement of our life and it, as this applies to the conversation about you know travel and changing your environment that's an easy place to start to think about like Hey, what at home do I just take for granted? What do I just accept at face value and I don't necessarily question? And mm. the, then this starts to extend itself out like fingers and tendrils into the idea of like, hey, what goals am I setting for the future? Because they're they're safer, right? Or they are mm. some degree of an extension of what I consider to be normal right now. Because mm. the difference between you and let's just call it somebody who's a, a billionaire um, at this point. It's funny to me how we don't talk about millionaires anymore. People talk mm. about billionaires now. Isn't that interesting? As a, as a as a society, I think that it's fascinating. I I stumbled onto this the other day. That I was like, you know, as a kid growing up, we talked about millionaires. Mm. Want to be a millionaire? There's a lot more millionaires now than there ever was. There's a lot more billionaires, but there's like as a kid growing up, I don't think I even knew a single billionaire. Like nobody, like you just knew that they were rich, rich. But now yep. it's like, and so like. People seem to to reference billionaire is like the new millionaire in terms of like mm. reference point of rich, which is that is a Insane. big difference. Mm. <laughs> yes. But it's anyways, normalized. Uh, complete digression there. I'm on several tangents this morning. But um, the my point is, is that the difference between you and, and a billionaire in terms of the goals they set are purely based on their reality right and their reality is based on their perception and so if you would like to massively change your trajectory you have to get yourself into a position or a place or an element where you are changing your perception you're changing your reality and the easiest way to do that as a human is to just physically get up and move someplace else not like move your house but like go yeah. to someplace else for the day and and to then spend that time reflecting and being creative because mm -hmm. You just you just said it um, in, a bit ago. The most important part of looking forward is looking back. And you know, it, it, as a personal example, uh, this has been a, an interesting year for me. Uh, probably the hardest, truly, is actually the hardest year of my entire life. And so, come the end of the year, um, it would be very easy for me, without any reflection, to set some degree of goals moving forward to be like anything besides last year right like mm. that would truly feel like a win to me at that point and 
and it would that would probably just be acceptable. And if I wasn't forced, committed, and, and engaged into the habit of going away, and then the expenditure of already paying for going away, and then being forced to, in fact, go away and do it, I trust me, up until the day and the moment I got on that airplane, I tried to get out of it, right? I tried to, mm. to, to cancel it. And, and as Lisa knows, I did actually cancel one version of it and flip-flopped it and moved it back a week. And to, to the value of, of the people I have in my life, everybody who's close to me was like, why did you do yeah. that? Because everybody knew that like I was trying to move the goalpost. And, mm. and, it, and I'm, you know, I say this to, because we are the anti-guru and I'm not better than anybody that's listening to this. I'm not smarter. I don't have more experience. I'm not, I just am maybe a little bit more aware because I tend to look at myself a lot more often than most people do. But I am just like you. If somebody said to me this last year, okay, it's time to set goals for next year. And I wasn't committed to the process and I didn't understand the immense value that this process has had on my life over the last five years or longer. Mm. I, I don't think I would have gone. I would have canceled. I would have gotten out of it or I would have been like, you know, I'll just go do it at the dining room table. It's mm. different. I'll go sit down there and do it or I'll go to the coffee shop and it might have worked, but I was committed to the process and it did happen. And what ended up happening is that by getting away and going and playing, like I looked back on the worst year of my entire life um, for many reasons that it was the worst year. But then I started to have to positively reflect on that year. Mm. And then I realized that all of those bad things that happened to me um, were actually some of the moments that I was the most proud of because of the person that showed up in those moments. Um, those were mm -hmm. my big wins um, for lots of them. And I say this to everybody that's listening is because if, if I wouldn't have gone away and I wouldn't have been forced into this, 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 this habit that I've been in, um, I wouldn't have looked back and been like, you know, mm -hmm. the saddest moment of the year, you know, one of the biggest wins was being the person for my family that they needed me to be. And I was able to be because of the life that I've created. I was able to spend every day at my mother's house mm. while she worked through an immense amount of grief that, you know, nobody else in my family could because they didn't live here. They worked or they had other obligations and it's no, it's no mark against them. It's just that mm. the value of freedom shows itself in very interesting ways and like listen i didn't want to demonstrate my freedom by being able to to be there for my mother for months so if you look back at some of these episodes you'll definitely see that i was sitting in the dining room for a lot of these episodes but i'm grateful for the life that i've created and my ability to do so even though in those moments i was like you know freedom would have looked a lot cooler if it was like the red ferrari out there yeah you know, but those were my highlights. And if I had I not been engaged in this process for so long, mm. I wouldn't have looked back on those moments. I wouldn't have looked back on, uh, you know, the moments when I was in the middle of the Grand Canyon or in those moments when I was, you know, at the, at the dining room table by myself mm. in a very sad environment, but being able to remain positive for all of my clients. And, you know, for me, it was, it's an important thing. And, and I share that all with you guys because it is at a micro level what you guys all experience every single day. Like years are hard. Mm. Days are hard. Weeks are hard. Business ownership, not just affiliate ownership is incredibly difficult. And if you don't mm. look back with some degree of constructive, you know, reflection, it's easy to not think about it. And like for all the clients, for all of you guys who have gone through it, you know, and, and I force you to do it. You're always like, ah, whatever. I don't want to do it. And then they're like, holy shit. 
this has been a way better year than I thought it was. I'm like, yeah, like, and so let's build off of that, right? So when it comes time to build new things moving forward, had I not really dug into how much I had won in the last year, mm. I probably wouldn't dig into what I was going to go after in the next year. Cause I would have just set a goal of like, I'm just thinking the next year we go for little to no waves, which is yeah. calm sea. Groots. That's all I want. But you know, you look back and you're like, holy shit, the reason that that person was able to show up in those moments, you know, and it's not just about sorrow, but like middle mm. of the grand Canyon, et cetera. Like that person was made possible through pushing that bar. And you know, I'm only able to push that bar based on who I once was and being hell bent to becoming who I want to be. And uh, and and when it comes time for you guys to consider your business goals, don't consider the business goals, I guess, is the first mm. thing that I would say to you. As you start to reflect back, what you're going to find is that as you think back on the year, you'll probably think of some wins in the company, some wins in the business. Mm. But I bet you as you think back, you'll think about how those how those wins made you feel as a person and how those wins mm. affected your family or you know your your family's you know, uh, perception of you as a business owner. Mm. And then you start to understand that even when you do win in business, the only way, the only way a win in business is a win is because mm. it does something in your personal life. And mm. as you start to set goals and as you start to reflect back and you start to think about all the times where uh, all the areas where your life got better through the business and through the things that you've done, as you start to set goals moving forward, Consider that because you have to set goals for you, for your life, because the business backfills those. But if you set goals for the business or for, you know, whatever external sort of thing you're pursuing, I can tell you with certainty um, and through experience that you'll accomplish a lot of things and not necessarily find yourself much happier at all. And, and so you, you got to figure that part out. And I think, you know, if you're setting goals just for what the business wants, like the business will take and take and take and take and take and take. We know that. And you will be chained to it. Um, you know, we put out a post yesterday about, you know, what you, you know, own or, you know, possess will own you at some point. And it's it's a powerful thing to to almost separate yourself. And, you know, and I think that's where a lot of affiliate owners particularly get stuck, particularly when it comes to, you know, looking at the distractions around CrossFit and those other things is like, and I fell into the trap. My identity was that business. That's who I was. But when we can step back and separate that, it becomes a lot easier to go, okay, how did I grow this year? What were my wins this year? What freedoms did I actually achieve this year? And rather than, you know, setting the standard or the measure of my year by some arbitrary set of metrics that somebody said, this is how you determine if you're successful or not. By looking at my story of the year, I could actually go, well, yeah, I was successful, not mm. by somebody's arbitrary, you know, profit and loss metrics, but by growth and freedom and, and the things that really matter. Could I do the things that were important to me and important to those I love? Those you know, well, yeah, I have been successful. Well, how do I get the business now to support more of that rather than me support what the business needs? It's, man, 
that's a whole ass episode right there. I feel like if we dug into that one and maybe that one should actually become a longer one. Cause I've had, this has been a recurring conversation completely aside from the whole goal setting and thing um, has been with a lot of the field leaders I've talked to recently. It's like the, the collective, uh, what's the right word? I wouldn't want to say the collective um, uh, uh, negativity or sadness or, or discomfort of, of, of affiliate owners it, it's that there's a there's a collective lack of quality of life vitality of affiliate owners and mm. what i think interests all the field leaders that we do talk to is that we're the only ones focusing on that part right mm. um is specifically the how your work creates your life not how your life creates your work and hmm. um that is completely separate i suppose from the, the whole goal setting conversation but it is something that is so worth talking about because it does matter when it comes time to set these goals is that like hmm. if you don't get out of the environment you don't consider how great a day was that was absent of your actual day-to-day you you can't really possibly fathom how bad your day-to-day is, right? It's a lot like fitness. Like if you, until you've experienced somebody doing a three-minute Fran, do you think your eight-minute Fran is fantastic or at least it's normal? And then you realize, oh my gosh, like it's not. And in a lot of ways, a vacation is a lot like experiencing a three-minute Fran because it breaks your whole paradigm. It changes everything mm-hmm. about what you experience, but it also shows you what's possible. And if you're, if your effort and your, and your outcomes are not in the pursuit of things like, you know, cobblestone streets and coffee shops or whatever your version of that looks like. Mm. What is it all for? Because we get caught up as humans in working for the sake of work mm. instead of working for the sake of output, right? We have to be creating a future. And so with, with the clients, the coaches essentially work you guys through this process, right? It's, it's, mm every single week for one, but then at the end of the year, it becomes incredibly more important because we're all collectively aware or, or, or focused on the year that's been and the year that will be. Mm. And it's a great time, regardless of whether or not you have a coaching relationship with anybody to think about really how you actually won. Like when were you the most you in the last 12 months and what did that feel like? Right. Mm. And then consider some questions like who do you ultimately want to become as a person? And I didn't really want to go into the details of a lot of this stuff because I, it's such a hard conversation to have mm. with a with a bland audience, a blank audience. Because like, you say things like, "Who do you want to become?" Mm. That's a lot. Like everybody's like least favorite question. <laughs> like the, the most fearful question is like to meet a new girlfriend's father and be like, "Where do you see yourself in ten years?" You're like, <laughs> "Dude, I don't even know where I see myself tomorrow." Right? Yeah. You know. And, and so when you ask somebody a question like, "Who do you want to become?" That's an interesting um, thing to have to process. And you're going to have a hard time doing that in your own environment. You're going to have mm-hmm. to definitely get out of there and be like, "Do I, I kind of like the version of me that's away from home more than I like the version of me that is at home. Mm. Um, but I think that's the beauty, you know, and it highlights the beauty of, you know, what we always talk about, the difference between, you know, being coached or being taught versus, or not all, but being versus being talked at and, you know, because each of our clients have an individual journey, like, you know, we don't just work on here, here are some memetic goals, here are the standard, and by week four you should have ticked this box. It's like 
who is the person you want to become mm. and how can your business or how does your business support that or how do we get it supporting that and really having those powerful conversations rather than what was your growth percentage and what was your churn and by week three you should be this and week four you should be that and, you know, it's a very individualised journey and it's mm. the coaching that by asking more of those questions we can really dig into those things and and because we appreciate the importance of that rather than, you know, just the numbers and the and the stats. It's the story, you know, if you like, the story of your year and who you became and, well, cool, who do you want to be now next year and how do we have this other vehicle, this business to support that for you mm -hmm. and stop you being, you know, chained to it. But it's individual and unique. It's not, well, here's the formula for everybody and here's your journey. Like we talk about the difference between ecological goals and mimetic goals. And, you know, we're not just setting that that thing because, well, here's what everyone else is doing. Well, no, well, what do you want to do? What makes you better? What helps you achieve freedom? One thing that I'm particularly proud of as a company that we're, we were able to do and we still do is, um, you know, because we have every meeting that's ever happened with every single client. Like as a coach, I can I can look back and, you know, be like, well, Lisa, despite this version of you that showed up this call telling me about the sky falling, I can tell you that on April, you know, 15th in that meeting, you told me about how you did X, Y, or Z, you know, closed yeah. on your house, you did this and, and, and whatnot. And so I'm not entirely sure the narrative fits the, the context here. And you're like, yeah. oh yeah, I forgot about that. Because what I'm proud of that is that we have the ability to do that because for everybody else, you know, it's at best they could probably be like, you know, back on April 15th, when you finished module five, you really <laughs> crushed that one. Right. Like, yeah. Because you know, the difference between being in a coaching relationship versus a training relationship in, in your business, but in, in life in general, is that like in a training program, all I can really ever know is how you interacted with that training program, which is probably fine if like that's the intended outcome. But in a coaching relationship, I can know really how that interaction affected your life mm. and affected your business. And for us, because we don't have a training program, right? I can always look back on every one of the clients and be like, well, despite how you feel, I think you're wrong. And here's why. And they're like, oh, mm. shoot, that and it's, sucks. And it, it, it is like I've had those profound moments when clients have to be sat back on their, you know, on their heels where they go, oh, yeah, you're right. Like when you remind them how much they have grown as a human, become a better leader, become a better, you know, husband, wife, parent, a better human because of the 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 life journey that they've been through, then they're like, oh, oh, yeah. And, you know, one of the, the most powerful things that we do at the start of all of our calls is, you know, what's your good news? And people, when you're so stuck in the in the weeds and the fire and you're putting out fires and then suddenly they'll start talking through conversation and you're like, well, okay, you've just given me five things that made good news and you said that you didn't have any because the world was on fire, but you just listed you know, your kid got an award at school and you had to go to this presentation thing. And it's like, oh, because we're listening and asking questions, not just going, what was your churn rate this week? And I think that's where the power of of being able to sit back and have those conversations and let that, that story unfold rather than, well, it's week six. We've got to talk about this. I don't care what's going on. Oh, your kid did something? Cool. Great. Let's move on. We got stuff to do.
it's mm-hmm. it's that very it's it's a very powerful um dynamic and shift and and it requires you know um the ability to to be open to that mm-hmm. yeah and so one of the reasons why perception and reality you know is a, is an important conversation is that Information is abundantly available it's everywhere. Right? We can Google anything. And one, a, a pretty visceral example of this is, you know, I've had the opportunity to sit in many of these summits now with rooms full of affiliate owners, and and I get to watch their perception. Meaning, I get to watch how they interact with information that is basically disseminated to them. You know, whatever that might be. Um, you know, there'd be something from HQ or you know something about whatever, and. I never really watched the presenter so much as I watched the room and to mm. see, and you see, you have 50, 100, 200 affiliate owners. And for really no rhyme or reason, some of them are feverishly taking notes over what just happened. And some people are sending a text message, just going social media. <laughs> some people are just talking to each other. And then mm. the next conversation comes up and the, those people switch. Now those people who are texting, they're now taking notes and other people are texting. And so and what's important about this is that they're receiving the same information. They're receiving the exact same conversation in the exact same environment from the exact same people uh, in regards to the exact same intended outcome, right? Your affiliate, your CrossFit mm. affiliate. Nobody at that table, those chairs, those line of chairs is receiving the same information because mm. they're receiving it through their own past, their own history, their own perception. So, a lot, you know, you see this on a day-to-day basis when you, you read a book and it changed your life and you get, I've said this before, and you give that book to somebody and they're like, how great was that book? They're like, that was good. You're like, no, this is great. I changed my life. They're like, I mean, yeah. I'm like, you should read it again then. Like, and you want to just keep reading the book. Cause like, yeah, if you read it again, you'll get it. But like, it won't because mm-hmm. that book isn't relative to them. Like, and, and, uh, you know, one of the reasons why I was said before, like you should quit books because sometimes great books aren't great books to you because you don't have the past. Mm-hmm. You don't have the keystone rather for that book to fit into. And this is why information becomes such a problem as it applies to businesses that not only did we all receive the same information, but now I start to feel some type of way because you guys thought that what you just heard was amazing. And I was just like, Meh. and so now I think there's something wrong with me. So now I'm feverishly trying to figure out what's wrong with me instead of that. And so all this stuff comes to a head as it applies to none of it matters except for what matters. And what matters is that the purpose of business, all businesses to improve the quality of life of the owner. And so when you're listening to information, something that might have excited you must have tapped or touched or triggered. That's going to make my life better. It's going to make my life Mm. easier. And then something else that someone else thought was going to do the same for them. Didn't do that for you. And that's okay. Mm. Right? Like all information is effectively worthless. We can Google anything that we want. What Mm. matters is implementation of information. Like Mm. at a, at a level that matters to all of you guys listening to this CrossFit isn't worth anything programming is not worth anything (laughs) training unfortunately is not worth much however the implementation and the application of crossfit is completely and totally worth a fortune right it is Mm. it has there is not even a price point that matters on that Mm. right because what that is is what you guys provide you as crossfit practitioners, providers, or otherwise, you are helping people apply and implement CrossFit into their life. And that does not just mean 
do CrossFit. That means mm. the intention of what they're doing by doing CrossFit, right? So like if my client is going to do CrossFit five days a week, what is the point of that? Mm. What are they applying that to? What are they implementing that into? Why does that matter in their life? And you should know those answers because that's coaching. But if you think that just doing CrossFit is doing CrossFit and that's what matters, that's just training. And it will still help people, no mm. doubt about it, because you know, it's just the way that it works, but that's the difference. And so for like with us, like it doesn't really matter what you want to work on, right? Mm. Really for us, it's, it's a matter of what is going to be the outcome, right? Mm. And like that, that becomes the conversation back to this that what we're so proud of is that we don't have to, we don't have to get caught up in getting you to like the reading, like the book, like the information that we gave you and then support that and then defend it and, 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 and continue to refute it. Instead, we get to listen to what you would like to get done and then we brainstorm ideas together and then we let you go run with it and then we evaluate, did that have the intended effect? If yes, continue. If not, remove. Like It's, it's simply that. But as it applies to, to setting your goals, that becomes incredibly important too. Because mm. if you're not going to you're not going to set a goal with the direct intention of improving your life down to a granular level, you're not going to succeed. And I think, you know, part of the power of that, having that unique journey is that we're able to then get into those once we've set those goals is and getting clients, you know, they're, they're running off taking that action is then when we review what worked, what didn't is like, why was this a problem for you? Why did you stop doing the thing? And that allows the more powerful conversations around rather than, well, I don't know why it didn't work for you. It's worked for everybody else. Like what's the, here's, here's the template, here's the formula. It's worked for everybody else. Why does it not work for you? Like you're doing something wrong rather than, okay, what was the struggle for you here? Like this is the idea that you came up with. This is what you want to own. And, and again, we get into more of those more powerful behavioral conversations and then get into beliefs and and those structures, which is where the real power of of change and and the the impact can be, which makes the goals something real and tangible, rather than just an arbitrary number I'm filling out because someone told me I had to because it's coming up to the end of the year. Yeah, as a as an anecdotal piece of support to that, in one of the summits that I had the ability to sit in, um, the audience received a great piece of, of advice, um, a phenomenal piece of advice, particularly as it applies to answer your phone within three rings every time it rings. Because the bigger part of that conversation was the framework to, to getting to a truly insurmountable and unfathomable amount of money that mm. your business could create to a room full of affiliate owners who I think are identifiably and agreeably not in possession of enough money. Right. Mm. So like they're clearly all have a need to hear this information and they are feverishly consuming this information at this point. Like they're all most mm. of them are taking notes at this point. And um, one of the key things in there is, you know, you got to answer your phone within three rings. And uh, I, I basically had made a bet that I was like, I will bet you that not even a week from this date, I will call a large number of these people in the room and less than 10 percent will answer the phone. So I called 20 of them. Two of them answered the phone at all, let alone within three rings. And none of them, despite being disguised as a prospect, have to this point, weeks later, Responded. called me back or even yeah. emailed back. Um, and, and my but point, I guess, up 
is that the information is relative. The, mm. the pain point is relative. Everything is relative. But until you pass it through your situation, will you ever get to the implementation? And that's mm. what has to change. And that's why the, the trouble with business advice and best practices and these things is that they don't consume, they don't consider the receiver of said advice. Mm. Because they can't. It's hard to sell a system if you got to worry about how everybody that's going to consume that system is going to interact with it. Yeah. And and then it becomes about, it's not the system is the problem. Well, you're the problem, so you need to fix you. But rather, like, let's figure out what you need. And it's not a system, you know, it's not about putting a templated system down. It's what supports you getting to where you want to be. Great. Let's build ideas around that. Mm-hmm. And there are, you know, there's a place for systems and processes and repeating successful actions. But to start the journey, it's really about having those conversations about, you know, the individual and where they want to be and what's their magic wand, but also being them being able to identify, you know what, I became this kind of person this year and I really want to take that forward rather than, you know, to go back to your um, story about the phones is like, yeah, I've heard this great thing. I'm going to do it. And I did it for a week and now I'm not doing it anymore. Like I've, these are the things. I didn't even do mean, it three days later. Yeah. <laughs> these are the things that mean enough to me that I want to bring forward. Like, you know, in your personal year this year, there's a lot about the man that you were that you want to bring forward and, and continue to do more of this year. Now that you have that awareness that you can do that and we're able to do that. It's like, I want to bring that version of me forward. Okay, how do we support that happening? And it doesn't always have to be around, you know, things that are awful and hard, but how do I, you know, replicate that ability to show up and turn up and be that kind of person um, this year? That's what I want to take forward. Okay, let's build the foundation on that. Mm -hmm. And that's the power of coaching, not just telling who you should be and what you should be focused on. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly the power of us, I think, you know, yeah. if apples to apples here. I mean, you know, everybody will kind of usually asks us, like, you know, what do you do or how are you different? But, like, that's really what it comes down to. At the end of the day, the company that we build, the company that I'm proud of is the company that builds better people. Uh, and those better people build better businesses. I could easily have, you know, built this company to build better businesses or, you know, created systems to help people build better businesses and been absolutely fine with being like, worked for xyz it'll work for you but it didn't necessarily mean that they were going to become better people Mm. um and and don't take this as i don't want you guys to make a bunch of money and and you know become better business owners i just know that by making you a better version of you by making you a better man a better woman you know by making you a better anything anything you touch gets better but by making Mm. the things that you touch better I can't guarantee that's going to have the same impact on you. And so for us, the thing that I'm the most proud of is that we very, very effectively are get people to understand what that looks like, who they want to become, and and then are ruthless about getting you to that point. And for a lot of people listening to this, I know that that seems absolutely repulsive to you, truly. Mm. Um, And you should not click apply here (laughs) because... I'm going to ask you who you want to become and I'm going to drill down on that and I'm going to make you defend it and I'm going to make you identify it and I'll make you protect it. 
But if that doesn't seem interesting to you, because all you want to do is use your business as a distraction, we're not for you. Yep. And and that's the the very much the power of the 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 conversation and helping us, you know, understand when, you know, people are ready for this at different points in their journey. And when they well, some journeys don't ever have this in it. And that's okay. Yeah. And that's okay. There's no right or wrong. All right. I think that this has been a, a good chat. Um, well, I'm always right. Just so we're clear. I'm never wrong. I'm just kidding, guys. Everybody, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He's that not. would make me a he's, guru. He's not. This is. We'll release my call recordings. He's always right. I'll stand here and say, Tony's right. More to you, I am not. almost always right. <laughs> and on that note, uh, we've got some good guests coming down the pipeline. So make sure that you subscribe on your favorite platform um give this a share give this a like give us a review we appreciate it if you have any questions please reach out follow us on instagram at fitfiliate we're always there and always happy to chat all right guys we'll catch you on the next one thank you tony peace out homies thanks for listening we hope you enjoyed today's show please remember to like and subscribe on your favorite platform and if you know an affiliate owner a coach or entrepreneur that would benefit from hearing our conversations please share this with them. We love the feedback and support we have from you guys, our audience. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can find all the useful links in the show notes. We would love to connect with you. Keep doing the great work.